Everybody suffers, so how can I pray for you? Welcome to the EverybodySuffers.com podcast. I'm Carl Brown, and today's episode, we're going to be talking about turning sorrow into joy through the seven sorrows. In other words, the seven sorrows of Mary can help us to find joy, and that's what I want to talk about today. So today's episode is sponsored by Our Lady of Kibeho. Kibeho, Rwanda was the site of the most recent major church-approved apparition of Our Blessed Mother. She warned us of the Rwandan genocide of 1994, and she reintroduced the Seven Sorrows Rosary. Mary gave this warning to the people of Rwanda more than 10 years before the genocide, which she confirmed by predicting the death and resurrection of three visionaries in Rwanda. And the warning she gave the people of Rwanda, she specifically said it was not just for Rwanda, but a warning for the whole world. So what will you do now? Will you pray the rosary every day as she asked? Or will you one day regret not having done enough to prevent what she warned us about? I want to start off by asking the Holy Spirit to guide me here in this in this uh, podcast. So join me in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful, and kindle in them the fire of your love. Lord, send forth your Spirit to have me only share what you want me to share, and to make me forget what you don't want me to share. Amen. Our Lady of Sorrows, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Yes, the seven sorrows of Mary can be a source of joy for us. I'm not suggesting that they were a source of joy for Mary. Mary truly suffered, even though she was without sin, even though she practiced virtue perfectly. If this is your first time listening, let's just review the seven sorrows. The seven sorrows of Mary are the prophecy of Simeon, found in Luke chapter 2, the flight into Egypt, found in Matthew chapter 2, the loss of Jesus in in the temple in Luke chapter 2, meeting Jesus on the road to Calvary, which we can see in Luke 23. Mary stands at the foot of the cross in John 19. She receives the dead body of Jesus in her arms in in John 19, and she buries Jesus in that same chapter. How can Mary be a source of joy, or how can the seven sorrows for us be a source of joy despite our sorrow, despite our suffering. I'm just going to walk through each of the seven. First, in the prophecy of Simeon in Luke chapter 2, we see Simeon awaiting the consolation of Israel. When he sees Mary carrying Jesus, she says, Lord, you may let your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and glory for your people Israel. Then he says to Mary, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rising of many in Israel and for a sign that will be contradicted. And a sword will pierce through your own soul so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. It's in this line that we can see some hope and joy. Because Simeon says, this child will be the fall and the rise of many in Israel. And we typically think of 
that in reverse. We think of the rise and fall. In this first sorrow, even though Simeon's telling Mary a sort of sorrow will pierce her soul, which is, that's, that's terrifying. Really, I want to say it's heart-wrenching, but it's soul-piercing. Despite that, there is the, a glimmer of hope there. And since it's a fall and rise and it speaks to the resurrection, that's a permanent joy. That's a permanent state, happiness. We can find joy even in that first sorrow. In the second sorrow, as Jesus is carried by Mary through the desert and into Egypt, there's we, but where we can see the joy here is that the, the sufferings that we experience, we will one day look back on and see them as blessings. God had an angel wake Joseph, who woke Mary and Jesus, and had them leave Israel. Even though Jesus was promised to take the throne of his father David as the king of Israel, he has to leave Israel. The hope there is that in our sorrows, God will make good come from them. It reminds us, especially since it's going into Egypt, it reminds us of Joseph of the Old Testament in Genesis 50, 20, where he says to his brothers, what you intended for evil, God used for good. Even the sad parts of our life, even the sorrows of our life will one day be looked at by us as, as a blessing in disguise. It's, it's hard to do that in the moment. It's probably, it's, it may be not even advisable in the moment, but in hindsight, we should look back and we should ask, how were our challenges? How was our adversity? How were the sorrows of our life? How are they now a blessing to us? Who did they introduce to us? Who, whose friendship did that adversity reveal? the sorrows and the suffering of our life, we can have joy knowing that one day they'll be seen as a blessing. Let's go to the third sorrow, the loss of Jesus in Jerusalem. In this sorrow, again, Mary really had sufferings. Mary really was sad. She was wondering where Jesus was. We can see her saying this. She said, son, why have you treated us? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. Here's where we can start to see a glimmer of, of hope and for joy. Jesus says, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? Our sorrow and in our suffering, God is working. God is at work. We can see that in hindsight especially, but this quote from Jesus shows us that he's at work in our life. Did you not know that I must be about my father's business in sanctifying you, in helping you rise above small, petty things that are just temporary light afflictions? God is at work in our life even when we can't see him, maybe even especially when we can't see him. And that can be especially in hindsight, a source of joy for us. As we move to the fourth sorrow, here's an interesting thing. Mary engages Jesus in a conversation. Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. But in the next four sorrows, Mary doesn't say, why are you doing this? She doesn't say, why is this happening to me? She doesn't talk to Jesus in that way. 
And that alone really can be a, a source of joy for us, knowing that as we conform our life to the will of God, we're going to have a surrender. And that surrender will bring us victory. When we conform our will to the will of God, we can experience joy. We can experience happiness even despite suffering. As we turn to the fourth sorrow, Mary meets Jesus on the road to Calvary. Here's where I think we can see a hint of that because I'm looking in Luke chapter 23, starting with verse 27. A great multitude of people followed him, and among them was a group of women who were mourning and lamenting for him. But turning to them, Jesus said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. There is not a part in Scripture that explicitly says Mary was with Jesus on the road to Calvary, but she was with him at the foot of the cross, and I think it's safe to say that she caught up with him at some point, if not followed him the whole time. And it's curious, in Luke's little episode here in in the 23rd chapter, he doesn't say, Luke does not say that Jesus turned to Mary, because notice what he's saying. He's saying, do not weep for me. And this is one of the one of the seven sorrows. Mary meets Jesus on the road to Calvary. This is a sorrow of Mary's. And this was truly a sadness for her. She's watching her son be killed. But if it were a sorrow for Mary, what is Jesus's wish for her? His wish for her is that she not weep. Because although he says that to the women of Jerusalem and doesn't specifically mention Mary, If Jesus didn't want them to weep for him, but instead he wants them to pray for their children, then certainly Jesus didn't want Mary to be sad in this moment. And so Mary is perfectly obedient. So if Jesus doesn't want her to be sad, then she's not going to be sad, not for Jesus. What I'm saying here is that together with the other sorrows and how they can be joys, we can see that even our suffering be something that we can embrace and then have joy for eventually, even if it's not in the moment. But we'll see in the moment here shortly. But if Jesus doesn't want the women of Jerusalem, of which I think Mary is is one, if he doesn't want them to weep for him for his suffering, should we weep for our own? Should we weep for his? Or should we be resigned to the will of God? And in so doing, can't we see that God, who is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving, he's allowing these things to happen. And, And again, going back to Genesis 50, 20, Joseph said, you meant this for evil, but God used it for good. This suffering that we're enduring, the suffering that we have to maybe watch our loved ones go through, that can end up being something that's redemptive. If we unite our will to the will of God, then it's not going to be a sorrow for us of carrying that burden. We can see this more as we go on into the fifth sorrow, because the fifth sorrow, Mary is standing at the foot of the cross. And certainly, if he didn't want her to weep for him when when he was carrying the cross, then he's not going to want her to weep for him on the cross. That might be hard to say to her, and and it may be hard for her to do. But let's look back at the Beatitudes in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, because Jesus says, 
blessed are you, you know, the poor in spirit, the meek, who hunger and thirst for holiness, the merciful. And, and he says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. And here's, here's the kicker. Are you ready? Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. So Jesus on the cross, certainly in pain, he's certainly suffering. This is certainly a sorrow for Mary. If Jesus told his disciples that when you are being persecuted, rejoice and be glad. If he told them that, isn't he going to follow his own advice? And isn't it possible that he could embrace that sadness, that sorrow, that suffering, that pain? Isn't it possible that he can embrace that with joy as knowing that this is, this is the path to redemption, that this is his path to redeeming us? And our suffering, and this is key, our suffering is our path to our sanctification. Listen, I'm not telling you this as though I have perfected this. I still, you know, shirk from suffering, but Jesus did not. He said, don't weep for me. He said, when you encounter this, rejoice and be glad. So certainly he did. So we can too. And if we look at Psalm 22, which Jesus quoted from the, the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We can see that that Psalm starts out sad, but in, in the end, all the, earth, all the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord and all families of the nation shall worship before you for kingship belongs to the Lord. And all the prosperous of the earth eat and worship before him, and they shall bow down, and posterity shall serve him. It shall be told of the Lord to the coming generation. They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn. From you comes my praise in the great congregation. Jesus is quoting Psalm 22, and it, it starts out as a sad, dark psalm but it ends with joy it ends with happiness i will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation i will praise you jesus took his own advice rejoice and be glad when the, when you are suffering we can too <laughs> that's an invitation for us to do that as well okay the sixth sorrow mary is holding the dead body of jesus as i was praying about this podcast episode I came to this sorrow and I thought this is a hard one to say that there's joy in there but here's an interesting observation in the fifth sorrowful mystery Jesus dies but Jesus's death is not one of the seven sorrows so when Mary is holding the dead body of Jesus at the very least she can say this suffering of his has ended and that reminds us of the, the quote from St. Paul that, that our suffering is just a momentary light affliction compared to the eternal weight of glory. And that's 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. 
So our suffering will end. Jesus' suffering on the cross did end. And that can bring us joy, knowing that this we're in the valley of tears, but this is going to end. It, it will end someday. And that brings us to the seventh sorrow, and that is the burial of Jesus. And again, a very somber mo- mood, a very d- dour moment, the burial of Jesus. But it's not, it's not all sorrow for Mary because she has hope in the resurrection. It was certainly sad for Joseph of Arimathea and for Nicodemus and for Mary Magdalene. And even if Mary, the mother of Jesus, told them, Jesus is going to rise from the dead. That had to have been hard for them to see or believe. But it's not hard for us to see and believe. So we can look at the burial of Jesus. We can look at the death of Jesus. We can look at the passion and suffering of Jesus and say there is hope because of the resurrection. That hope should bring us joy. And I hope that this little reflection can be a source of consolation for you. And, and through Mary's intercession, we can experience peace in our families, find insight from the Holy Spirit, experience consolation, because these are the promises of Our Lady of Sorrows. We can receive answers to our prayers. We can experience protection from the enemy of our soul. And we can experience Mary's assistance at the hour of our death. And all of those things, all of the promises of Our Lady of Sorrows should bring us joy. Thank you for joining me in this podcast today. I'm Carl Brown, and this is the EverybodySuffers.com podcast. Everybody suffers, so how can I pray for you? You can email me your prayer requests at carl at everybodysuffers.com. Have a great day. God bless you.